Hello, and welcome to The Why Behind the Buy, a podcast for digital marketers focused on finding and targeting their best customers at scale. I'm your host for today, Monique Martin, and for our very first episode of this podcast, we'll be talking about the buyer journey of small businesses and how by better understanding that process, B2B marketers can break through all the noise to connect with their potential customers. With me today is my colleague, Mr. Small Business himself, Grady Behrens, Director of Product Strategy. Howdy. (laughs) Hi, how are you, Grady? I am splendid today. Awesome. So I want to start off uh, before we jump into things with a little bit of background about Claritas, especially if some of you listening have never heard of us or don't know much about us. So we are all about finding customers. But what does that exactly mean? Grady, can I have you explain to our listeners how Claritas does this, especially when it comes to small businesses? Yeah, sure. So you know, our, our approach to finding best customers, it's about the fact that we have a comprehensive view on who all potential customers are. It's about having that comprehensive view in order to find the best customers, right? So not just any potential customer, but really who are the best customers so that the clients we work with, they can take action to win those specific customers and grow their business with those specific customers. And obviously with a business in general, Every business has unique challenges, but small businesses obviously have their own uh, unique challenges. So I want to go into that a little bit more too. Uh, One of the ways that we help customers find companies, and again, talking their best customer, is helping them understand the why behind the buy. And that's something that we talked about at the beginning of the uh, podcast here. Um, So can you talk to us about what is the why behind the buy? Well, so why behind the buy is about really finding the decision maker in the buyer journey as opposed to finding a business based on you know where they're located in the country or what industry they're a part of this is really about who is it that's making that that purchase decision for the small business right is it the owner or is it you know the the finance manager is it somebody in the strategy team these are small companies so there might only be 5 or 6 people uh, where are they doing their research? I mean, what are they looking for even when, when it comes to making decisions about insurance or, you know, internet services or merchant services if they're a retailer? And what is it that it boils down to for them that makes them select one bank over the other or one internet provider over the other? What is it that they're really looking for in a partner for those products? And we can provide all this sort of data. Um, Can you give me a real life example, maybe to put in a little bit more context as to why this would matter to our clients? Yeah. So, you know, you could, you could look at, you know, take an industry, for example, like jewelry stores, right? And if you were an insurance provider, maybe jewelry stores would, would show up as this, well, they're always going to be these great targets because they've got a lot of merchandise in stock. And it's high value products. And so, you know, they're, they're always, you know, looking for insurance. That might be true, but that's not the same as the, the context for why, you know, two jewelers in the same neighborhood would make a decision about how they make a purchase for insurance and why they choose who they choose, right? So you might have two of them in the same neighborhood. Somebody has a lot of stock on hand. Somebody does a lot of custom made jewelry. Somebody might be a legacy, you know, family business that's been there for decades. Somebody might be trying to do something new and innovative. And all those things are going to play into, you know, who might be a good prospect for insurance for one company versus for another. 
And I think this is kind of a perfect segue. Um, you and your team over the, over the past year have been digging into ways that small businesses make their purchase decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit about what you found in your research? So we did research in 2017 called the Small Business Behavior Track. And the goal of that research was we really wanted to understand the differences between small businesses and how they make purchase decisions across a number of different products. In fact, 20 different products. So we asked 8,500 small business decision makers about how they made those purchases. And what we wanted to map there was everything from who is it that's making the decision? Is it the owner? Is it somebody else in the company? How many people are involved? What is it that they value in a product or service provider that makes them consider a bank or an insurance provider or a travel provider? Where do they do their research? So almost everybody is doing some level of online research, but what else is being incorporated? Are they picking up the phone? Are they looking to have an in-person conversation? What kind of content do they value when they make that decision? And then ultimately, when it comes to you know, making the decision, making the purchase, how do they go about doing that? Are they looking to have an online experience? Are they looking to go in person and sign on the dotted line? All of those different aspects. And so really starting from beginning to end, what is it about that purchase journey and what's going on there that we can use to better understand and market to small businesses? What about some of the products that um, you did the research in? Yes, yes. So we we did it across five major categories that that really impact uh, small businesses across the board. Um, the first is banking. So where they set up their their checking savings accounts, uh, business credit cards, where they set up their merchant services, where they look for loan products or or cash management. The second was insurance, and that could range from liability insurance to property insurance auto insurance, and insurance benefits packages for their employees. Telecommunications was a big category, so internet or broadband lines, uh, phone service, whether that was landlines or voice over IP or VoIP uh, lines, and that's also you know hosted lines where they've got a number of different you know telephones in the building, um, cable TV and, and satellite TV. And then we also looked at technology. So technology could could include, technology did include printers, network servers, software, computers, those core technology infrastructure components that a small business needs to function. And then the last category was travel. And, you know, many small businesses are, are doing extensive amount of travel, um, you know, especially when they don't have as large of a network as a larger business. So we asked them about their travel decisions when it came to accommodations and where they stayed. Uh, ride-hailing services and uh, how they how they use local private transportation. Uh, we asked them about rental cars and we asked them about air travel. So, Grady, can you give me a couple of examples of how this behavior correlated? Um, yeah. So we so we were actually just recently we were building a predictive model for an internet and telephone provider, and in that in that particular model we ended up finding at least four different kinds of decision making styles for just home businesses and so you think about like home business right and these are actually not as as cleanly defined as just saying oh it's you know like one person working out of their home and they're self-employed uh, but they do tend to be 
you know, one or two employee businesses. They, they are typically less than $100,000 in revenue. But even inside of those, those four, you know, groups, you could see different, uh, even inside of home businesses, which you might think would be like homogenous, then you could actually see differences in attitudes and behaviors. And so some of them were saying things like, you know, certain services like broadband internet were, were critical to their operations, or merchant services, merchant payment services were critical to their business. And others were, you know, highly unlikely to uh, to have those same needs. And then on top of it, some of them were actually highly unlikely to listen to their peers when it came to recommendations. So yeah, it's, that was kind of an interesting thing, because I think there's there's a misnomer that all small businesses are, you know, right. looking for referrals from their peers, and many are, right? But uh, there are others who are essentially like anti advice from their peers, which is which is almost like a fascinating like uh, right fascinating reality that there are a number of these businesses that are really not going to spend the time asking around and finding the best service. They're just going to move forward and they're going to find a you know, find a provider based on some other set of criteria. Yeah, we actually, you and I talked to a small business who is one of those ones that does what, you know, what we think of uh, asking their peers or their colleagues um, for recommendations. But that's interesting that you found with this particular uh, client that that was not the case. Yeah. And and that, that, that varied across the different businesses that they were trying to target uh, and reach and identify as their best customers. So some of their best customers did actually do that, I, I should note, right? In the predictive model, some of them did do that. It's just that many of these home businesses did not. And, and for that reason, actually, you know, may or may not line up as, as being good fits for that particular telecom provider. So that's a, a good reason why, you know, you need to let the data tell you um, the answers. You can't just go off of you know, what you think might be the case, because you might find out that that's, <laughs> that's not. Yeah, I, I think a, a takeaway to me was, well, you really can't just say, oh, small businesses do this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you also can't say, okay, well, you know, home businesses just do this, or young decision makers just do this. It It's all about this context where there are many factors at play. Okay, is it a young decision maker in a three-person business that is located in a rural area, that's actually leading to, you know, more of an emphasis on recommendations from peers and, uh, you know, a preference towards dedicated customer support for, you know, insurance choices. So there, there's all these things that are working together that make it difficult to just say, oh, I know, I know how small businesses operate because they're, they're unique and different and there's 28 million of them. So Grady, let me cut in for a second, if you don't mind. Since we're talking all about the why behind the small business by today, I want to share a few additional facts you haven't already talked about from your team's research. The first fact, the Small Business Behavior Track Survey confirmed that millennial business owners are four times more likely to be early adopters of new products and services, and they feel as though brand names are more trusted in indicators of quality. I think that's a pretty good segue into an interview that we did with a small business owner, Mike Malazzo from Common Good, a cocktail house that's just recently opened in Glen Ellen, Illinois. We talked to Mike about some of the business decisions he and his business partners have had to make to get Common Good up and running, like the providers he chose and why. He did do a lot of what you might think a small business owner would do, i.e. making purchasing decisions based on recommendations from family and friends. But take a listen because he shared some unique insights that may be useful to you if and when you market to small businesses. 
really the decision came down to partly, you know, who had some personal recommendations, what was most convenient to us, uh, and then also, you know, who was able to give us the most information, you know, the quickest. There was a couple, um, you know, a lot of the merchant services now are directly linked to POS providers. Right. Um, so to be honest, some of them just got ruled out because, you know, we, we I reached out to a couple different providers and some just never got back. You know, it took them two, three weeks to even get in touch with us. Huh. And for me, that was like instantly, I'm like, no, I don't, if, if it's this hard to get you uh, on the phone or to get in touch with you or to get information from you now, uh, it's going to be even harder, you know, after we're done with the sales process. So that kind of, um, that kind of was, was our process for the merchant services. Um, and, and similar for, um, you know, our internet and phone, that one was, that one's probably the most boring, but that was, again, very tied to a personal recommendation. One of my friends, I grew up in the area where we're starting the business, and immediately one of my friends who I grew up with called me, and he's like, hey, my family business, what we do is we set up businesses with telecom uh, services, and he's like, I'll do it for, for you know, I'll, I'll get you our discount, and he's like, I'm not going to bill you for the, the work that I do because I just want to help you. Uh, so that one was kind of a no-brainer for us. I think that's a that's a huge thing for us is it you know I'm sure it's the same in other industries but especially in the food and beverage world the second you need something you call three or four people and you say who do you use who do you use everything from you know who fixes your hood who does your your HVAC mm -hmm. who fixes your coolers everything from that to your banking and your insurance all of it for us is is really 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 influenced by um you know, those personal recommendations. He covered a lot of ground in, in how he made a number of different decisions, but I think a lot of them come back to, for him, one of the core aspects was, what are my peers doing? And that's, that's a two-part conversation, right? It's asking your peers for who they recommend, but it's assuming that who you pick from that recommendation is somebody that comes with a reputation of you know, either quality of service or, you know, dedicated support or some sort of aspect there. And I think that's, that's an important thing, right? It's not just about, hey, I'm taking referrals from a friend. It's I'm taking referrals from a peer who uh, is saying that this person has, has what it takes to be a good provider of merchant services or insurance or whatever it might be. And so that second component is you're looking for the reputation and a positive reputation of a provider in the immediate you know, market for other small businesses or in the area or whatever it might be. So I thought that was really interesting to see those two things working together. Uh, another aspect that I thought was really interesting about what he was describing was, yes, he was asking his peers for recommendations, but that didn't stop him from doing a bunch of research about other potential merchant services providers or doing research for insurance providers. So he was still doing much more of a you know due diligence approach that says I'm going to look at everybody who's who's possibly available and in in those circumstances was reaching out via email reaching out via phone looking to to have some sort of conversation and uh, you know one of the things he said in 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 there was he was looking for a response of uh, you know a, a ballpark quote right like some sort of estimate of like what are your services going to cost me before I have another conversation. So I thought that was really interesting too. Of like, it's not just about, hey, I want to call somebody up and talk to them. It's, uh, 
I'm going to reach out to somebody, but, and we should have more conversations, but before we have more conversations, I need to know that this is even worth my time, right? I need to know that this is actually going to be in my, in my, my range that I can consider. And, you know, I, I think the other part of that, that's interesting to me is Mike is a, is a younger decision maker. And yet this decision making process keeps coming back to personal referrals and uh, dedicated customer support, somebody who's reaching out on a regular basis and seems to value his business and wants to know more about what Common Good is doing and, and how they're going to be successful. And I think that that dispels some of these notions about oh, all, all young decision makers, whether our consumers or small business are all going to be, everything needs to be online or, or better yet done through a mobile app, right? Now, he did do some of that. He talked a whole bunch about talking on the phone with people. That was one of the first points of contact that he made with people that he was reaching out to. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I mean, again, it, it goes back to me of there's there's more to this than just I can label Mike as either a restaurateur or a young decision maker or an urban decision maker uh, and really think about, okay, well, what's the context of, of these decisions and how do I find more, you know, more mics if that's a good fit for my business? I want to take another second to pause with more insights from our original research on small businesses. Did you know that 30% of millennial small business decision makers indicate that they use multiple channels to research and purchase products like insurance? So in our second interview, we'll hear from Rob Gent at Anytime Fitness about how he approached selecting suppliers for his new business needs. Rob is a small business owner in Independence, Kentucky. He owns an Anytime Fitness franchise, but he's been in the fitness industry for 20 years and previously worked in the Anytime Fitness corporate office. So let's hear from Rob now. So when you did some of your initial research, did you, I mean, was word of mouth from friends, family, that sort of thing? Or were you more of internet researching? Like, how did you actually um, do your research to find the service providers for setting up uh, your business, like insurance, for example? That's a great question. And my answer to all of those are, are really going to be um, tapping into our resources and our networks. Everything I think that we've done, every service that we've brought on, um, we've looked at our network, um, my business partner and I, and have gotten in touch with them. So you know, when you ask about insurance, my business par- partner is actually an insurance agent by day. Mm. So that was kind of a no-brainer. And even though he's, he's in that arena, um, we also did look at some of the preferred um, vendors that um, are with Anytime Fitness. So with the corporation, they do have preferred businesses that we work with. Right. Um, not all are mandatory. So uh, when it came to insurance and a few other things, we look at that and we compare and what's the best value as well as the best cost for us, the most economic one makes the most sense. Are there are there any of the ones we're, we're talking about here, things like um, payment services or cashing, uh, cash services or checking where you you had like a mandatory provider from any time or were you able to make decisions on those as well? So we looked at, you know, what our needs were and, and what kind of companies would offer kind of a bundle package um, because that made it a more appealing. The, the less clicks that we need to make or the less platforms we need to log into, uh, the more ideal the system would be for us. 
So in, some kind of simplicity in that sense. Right. Yeah, one hundred percent. So when you um, are, when you you know did your research when you decided who you wanted to go with, are you more of um, you want to do everything online uh, because it's easier that way, or do you prefer you know phone interaction or a dedicated rep, or how how do you prefer to manage your um, products that you're using? Uh, for me, I'm I'm pretty web savvy, mm -hmm. so I, I really like to to just manage everything online from uh, the services to add-ons to um, online bill pay. I like a, a company that actually has a chat box that I can get an answer right away. Right. Um, I, I do love to have a point of contact whenever that's available, um, but if a point of contact's not available, um, the, a, a turnoff for me is when I have to call somebody and. Uh, I'm on hold for several minutes or they've got to call me back um, because as a small business owner, time is everything. And um, I'm, as a small business owner, I've got several projects that are happening all over the place. And, you know, on my desk right now, I've got four different projects that I'm kind of working on. So when I dedicate a certain amount of time to one thing, whether it's a, a service add-on or a, a, a service issue, um, I want to be able to get that resolved here and now. Um, and, and not have to come back to it. So for me, instant gratification of, of having an answer uh, and being able to get that and, and resolved in a timely manner is is everything for me. I think we're coming up on all the time we have today, but I want to give a special thank you to our guest speakers and thank you, Grady, for being my co-host today. If you want more information about Claritas and our small business solutions, the best way to reach us is via our website, www.claritas.com, or on our social media pages. You can find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening to our very first podcast episode. Don't forget to rate and subscribe, and we'll catch you on the next one.